Welcome to People's Town Hall's Virtual Town Hall audio series. Our virtual town halls with lawmakers and other community leaders now available in an easy audio-only format for your flexible listening needs. People's Town Hall is only possible because of support from Americans like you, who believe our democracy is stronger when elected leaders take the time to meet with and listen to the people they work for, their constituents. Find out more and lend your support to People's Town Hall at peoplestownhall.org. Thank you. Hi everyone, this is Nathan with People's Town Hall. People's Town Hall is a nonpartisan nonprofit organization dedicated to the simple idea that our democracy is stronger and better when our elected officials take the occasion to meet with and listen to the people they work for, which is their constituents. Uh, we're joining you for another virtual town hall. Uh, today, uh, we are virtually in uh, Lincoln County, Oregon with Senator Wyden, who is in the county, I believe in Lincoln City, uh, with his constituents in Lincoln County. This is a county on the Oregon coast. Uh, I, we at People's Town Hall are you know, nonpartisan, uh, neutral on all things political, uh, but we, uh, we love the Oregon coast. Uh, I just spent my honeymoon out on the Oregon coast, so uh, very pro, pro this part of Oregon, uh, and so looking forward to another terrific discussion. Uh, Senator Wyden, thanks so much for joining us today. Nathan, thank you. Another bit of common uh, bond. My wife and I were married in front of Haystack Rock in Cannon Beach, so it doesn't get any better than the Oregon coast. And I am uh, at the News Guard, the newspaper in Lincoln City. We try to make sure that as we get out across the state and fulfill the pledge to have an open meeting, open to everybody in every county every year, that we often can gather at the paper or a community college or somewhere else that's widely respected as a place that really will throw open the doors and practice what I call the Oregon way. The Oregon way, as we call it, is chance to come together. It's not written down somewhere. It's not in Pioneer Square in Portland or on the state capitol building in Salem. It's just saying, look, we got some big challenges. That's certainly the case now. And we're going to use these town meetings to get people's ideas on how to find common ground, how to get together, how to tackle you know, big questions, for example, like holding costs down because we're all concerned about inflation. So this is going to be town hall meeting 1019. And that means we've just thrown open the doors and we really want to thank uh, People's Town Hall because they do a terrific job of helping us uh, during uh, this uh, challenging time. And I also want to give a big and special thanks to the paper, because that's where I am uh, today. Uh, they're providing the space here in Lincoln City. I'm the son of a journalist. We know the importance of throwing open the doors, the digital doors, especially uh, to uh, folks to be heard. I do want to touch on one issue before we start, and that's, of course, these horrendous murders, most recently, of our children uh, in Texas. And we had the Buffalo supermarket shooting the week uh, before. And of course, we all know uh, about the ever-lengthening list of atrocities that have hit us in Oregon, Thurston High School, Clackamas Town Center, not far from our home in Southeast Portland, Reynolds High School, 
Umpqua Community College. And what you got to say with respect to this, sum it all up, it's just, you know, enough, enough of being the only Western industrialized nation that somehow is, you know, allowing this to go on and enough of all the excuses and the cliches and enough of trying to find an argument that would somehow allow dangerous people to continue to have guns. I strongly believe in the proposition of the Second Amendment, the right to bear arms, and uh, I would not support anything that would in any way diminish that for law-abiding people, but we're not talking about that. You know, I've led the fight in the Senate to restrict uh, guns to individuals who have been convicted. They've been convicted of domestic violence. They're under restraining orders and they still get weapons. We had a horrible tragedy where in one such instance, a person along the lines I just described got a gun and murdered their spouse in front of their little children. So I think we're talking about common, kind of common sense uh, measures to deal with gun safety. And I'll just close by, this is really a key window right now. The Senate is basically home for in the vicinity of about 10 days. Members are gonna be out talking to the folks that they have the honor to represent. And I just hope they'll come back with the sense that the status quo, business as usual, is no longer acceptable. It's just not acceptable. I think, for example, kids have a right to a childhood. I will just say it, just that basic. So let's throw it open the doors and uh, really appreciate the news guard. And the floor belongs to the people of Lincoln County. Terrific. Uh, first up, we have Kelly from Newport. Thank you, uh, Mr. Wyden. First, thank you for letting me to be a voice in your conversation today. My name is Kelly Rutherford, and I am a face and a voice in our family's fishing fleet. We are a family of 21, three-generation fishing family. We own and operate four fishing vessels out of Newport, Oregon. Senator, sir, you are familiar with our town and our coastlines. In fact, in November 15th, on November 15th, 2018, you, along with Jeff Merkley and U.S. Representative uh, Peter DeFazio announced Senate passage of additional protection for our life-saving Coast Guard air facility in, here in Newport, Oregon. Senator, today I'm bringing before you the giant in the room and soon on our oceans, BOEM and the offshore wind farms with call areas along our coastlines, one being the Coos Bay Call and the other Brookings. These areas are prime grounds, both commercial and sport along pristine oceans with abundant life. Today, along with research vessel crews, sports fishermen, commercial fleets, fish processors, and local community, I send up an SOS to you and our legislation. Today, I'm asking this question, Senator, sir, will you help? Will you help? And hear our cries from the coast, from the oceans, and from our families, and once again, come to our rescue. Senator, will you be willing to play in this rescue and to come and, uh, and help us find a point in the direction we need to go in order to show, slow down the privatization of our oceans and the destructions that can be caused by bone in this rest process. Let's get all the facts. Our oceans have been protected and managed. Our coastlines are filled with migrating whales, birds of all species, 
and all different fish plus Dungeness crab, our fisheries support our communities, our revenues are used throughout the state and beyond. Senator, we are not just boats on the ocean. We are families feeding families, not just locally, but far and wide. Governor Brown signed the private for forest accord on May 18th. She stated the bill sign was built on understanding that through science-based forest management, they could strike the right balance between protecting the health of our forests, creating jobs, economic growth. She said this was accomplishment by building relationships, establishing trust, finding common ground and a path forward, forward that would maintain our vibrant organ forests and the communities that depended on them for generations to come. Let us, sir, replace the word forest with our oceans. This Senator Wyden, let me find my place. This Senator Wyden is our SOS, our cry for help. We ask for the same process with BOEM along our coastlines for our oceans, the people, communities, and for our generations to come. Will you, sir, sir hear this call, this SOS and answer? I, I so appreciate you're starting with this point because I think the analogy to how we do it with forestry is very applicable to what we're gonna be dealing with in the oceans because we, again, and I come back to the Oregon Way idea, we'd like to balance a variety of interests because all of them can be part of providing good paying jobs and quality of life. And then we wanna you know, protect our, our treasures. So we've got you know, offshore floating you know, wind. Um, we've got uh, folks obviously concerned about how uh, climate change um, measures are gonna be part of the strategy with respect to the oceans. And I just feel very strongly that local communities and fishing families have got to be at the center when you're talking about decisions about offshore wind projects that are gonna affect their livelihood. So this is about a balance. This is about making sure you have a seat at the table. It takes different kind of issues in different places, you know, in Coos Bay, people have asked me almost the same question with respect to the container discussion that's coming. And I've said, once again, you're gonna have to try to find a balance. But if you look at my record, whether it's leading the fight to get the home port, you know, in Newport, the safety measures you just talked about with my colleagues and the delegation, it's always been the same thing. We kind of lower the decibel level we don't do a lot of shouting and screaming, but we operate under the assumption that there are a number of different interests here and the well-being of communities and fishing families must be at the center of it. Now, as we know, uh, BOEM, fancy way of Bureau of Ocean Energy Management, is having a process on uh, two call areas off the coast that was announced in April. Uh, obviously, fishing families are concerned that any decisions made concerning the building of infrastructure is going to have repercussions with respect to their livelihood for decades and also will have an impact on the environment. Yeah. So 
Uh, I'm going to be all over this issue, working with all of you. Fritz Graham, as you may know, is our man on the coast. He is the superstar of you know coastal um, services and been with us for many years. And his focus is always, let's lower the decibel level. Let's come up with a balanced Oregon way answer. We've already indicated that BOEM, this Bureau of Ocean Energy Management, has got to be involved with all of you at every step of the way. They've got to follow the science. They've got to get the answer um, right. And I want it known as we start this discussion, you're going to have a seat at the table. And as long as I'm your senior United States Senator, your voices are going to be heard. And if you look at my track record, I think that what I've described is kind of pretty similar to what I've um, used in the past. And, and Fritz is spending a lot of time out in the community talking to the fishing families. And, and I'm looking forward to doing it too. You know, as the chairman of the Senate Finance Committee, I've had to be in DC uh, a lot. And so like Thursday night, the second the session was done, I jumped on a plane and basically flew all night so I could get home. And uh, I'll be doing a lot of that because we've got some really big issues like this one coming up. Thank you, sir. We appreciate your help and hearing our call from the coast. And what, what we'll do also is this um, goes when I'm down here, um, Fritz will be having meetings with uh, the fishing families and your folks and advocates. And I'm going to get into some of those too, so I can hear from people firsthand. And I'm sure we'll have others speak today, but just let, let people know that, you know, I'm looking at all the options for making sure that your concerns are going to be part of uh, the discussion and the part of any policies that come out of it. Perfect. Thank you. Thanks for Good. joining us today, Kelly. Uh, next up, we have Rima from Depot Bay. Hi. Um, so my question is concerning um, your support for the breaching of the four lower Snake River dams and um, how we can save our wild salmon and our uh, critically endangered Southern resident orca and to uphold our tribal treaty rights. So what would you like me to know, ma'am? Would you like to hear my thoughts on this? Do you wanna express a position? What, what's your pleasure here? I wanna be responsive. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm wondering how you're um, supporting the breaching. I'm, I'm yeah. for the breaching because yeah. you know, as you know, we used to be the most prolific wild salmon runs and basically the world. And now our numbers are severely depleted. Our salmon are a keystone species that support, you know, 137 plus wild animals. And, and without them, um, the health of the Snake River and, and, you know, it pretty much will cause the collapse of the entire Columbia River Basin if we lose, lose our salmon. So I'm mm -hmm. wondering... Yeah, they were going to breach the dams like 50 years ago. They were built to be breached, as you know. I'm sure it's, you know how complex this issue is. But the salmon are, they're on the threshold of extinction. And, and they're at the point where there's no return. So I feel like we really need to breach these dams now. Well, let's let's talk about where we are. And as you know, we've had sort of a roller coaster ride with respect to the number of salmon 
each year and, and it's been up sometimes, it's been down sometimes, but your basic proposition is correct. We've got to take long-term uh, policies out there to protect these, these runs. That's a fact. What I have felt on natural resources issues is we really have a choice. We can pursue a win-win situation, which is a balanced approach where we protect our salmon runs and our ag folks and the people who are shipping and the like, or we just say, hey, this aspect of it is the most important to me and we're gonna get what we want and the others are gonna come up short. And that produces, instead of a win-win, a lose-lose because everybody just goes to court and sues each other forever. And as you know, in Portland, they've had litigation about the salmon, you know, going on for just ages and, and ages. And so my biggest, you know, successes, uh, you look, for example, at my work on protecting rivers, uh, wild and scenic rivers, we now have more wild and scenic river protection under the legislation that I've written over the years to protect rivers than everybody else except Alaska. So we lead it the whole lower 48. And I did that because I spent a lot of time bringing people together. Now, there are kind of two approaches sort of on offer now. Uh, Congressman Mike Simpson of Idaho has an approach that he is floating to try and see if he can get some support on it. Uh, my colleague in the Senate, uh, Senator Murray and Senator Inslee, because these have special ramifications for the dams because of their uh, importance in Washington, are leading an approach that I like very much because I think they're reaching out to all the stakeholders. Nobody disputes that Jay Inslee hasn't been a great environmentalist and uh, is working closely with Senator Murray. I've been very involved with those two as well, because it seems to me they're building a coalition that we can actually use to get a balanced law. So we do a better job of protecting our fish. And we do take into consideration recreation and ag and the like. And, uh, you know, Governor Inslee and, uh, and Senator Murray are two people I've worked with a long time. Jay Inslee and I were in the house together. Um, he has been very supportive of my work on climate change. You know, I wrote uh, the bill to basically throw the tax code in the garbage can and say for the future, uh, we would, with taxes, say the more you reduce carbon emissions, the bigger your tax savings. And there's tremendous support from the environmental community for that. Jay's been very supportive of that as the governors have been as well. So uh, that's how we're proceeding on it. And I think we really got to up our game because there's not a lot of time to waste here. But I think the question is, are you going to find something that's sustainable, both in terms of actually working out in the community? And is it politically sustainable? Because if you don't have this coalition, when we want a win-win, what we're likely to mostly have is a lose-lose because the lawyers just go to court and they tie each other up. Right. 
I haven't seen the new, I don't think it's, it's out yet. It's supposed to be due any day for the public um, comment period for the Inslee Murray draft. But before they were talking about um, doing this in a period of about 10 years and our salmon. Oh, we got we to speed it up over that. Years. Yeah, they, they just don't. <laughs> I've, 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 I've told them that we've got to shorten the timetable. Yeah. Okay, good. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Where do you live? Right here? Uh, Depot Bay. What, what's your background? Um, my background? Like, so are, are you um, somebody who's been involved in science or the environment? Oh, oh I'm, I'm, um, I'm actually leading a little group called, a grassroots group called Snake River Savers. We're in, um, Good. We're the umbrella of the Endangered Species Coalition, and um, we're working really hard to help bring the salmon back and help the... Um, Southern resident orca and, and uphold the treaty rights. I, kn- I know the group you're talking about. There's a lot of good folks there. So you've been working in environmental advocacy. Yes. Yeah, great. Thank you. Good points all. And uh, we'll look forward to working with you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today, Rima. Uh, next up, we have Heather from Newport. Thanks, Nathan. Uh, thanks, Senator Wyden. Great to see you again. You uh, as well. Want to um, thank you for your work that you've done in the past to help us fix our trial buyback loan situation, something that took several years and uh, you were a champion uh, together with Senator Merkley and really appreciate your efforts over the years on that. Um, I am the executive director for Midwater Trawlers Cooperative, and um, I'd like to dig in just a little bit more on the offshore wind energy issue. I really appreciated your responses to Kelly, um, particularly about the Oregon way and balancing the different needs. And kind of what's happening now is a narrative that's developing where people will say, well, the impacts of climate change are worse than anything negative from offshore wind development. And kind of using that as a, as a, reason that we could have um, negative impacts to the environment and or to current ocean stakeholders. And and I don't really think that that's fair or responsible. Um, As you know, the administration is fast tracking offshore wind off our coast. And I think it's really important to note that scientists, environmentalists, Audubon, local governments, in addition to the seafood industry, are concerned about the process. Um, we all want to see BOEM slow down. We all want to see improved public engagement. Um, we want them to do more than just consider. I mean, that's all they have to do by law, fishery and environmental impacts. And we're asking for them to do sort of a, a, a deeper dive up front before leases are, are issued. And they're not listening. And, and I know that you know that we've been sharing this information with Fritz. And we're so glad that he's attended a bunch of our listening sessions up and down the coast. But I really think, Senator, it's important to know that BOEM's not mandated to act with the same precaution as like NIMS is. And we know that there will be harm to fisheries. Um, there will be uncertain impacts to the marine environment. And you have always been a champion of environmental stewardship, of sustainability, as I said, strong advocate for fisheries. So in addition to helping us get that seat at the table that you talked about and our voices heard, which we really appreciate, 
I'm wondering if you can think about ways that your office or our delegation can specifically act to slow the process down, um, to ensure that BOEM is held to the same precautionary mandates that NIMPSs and others in federal fisheries management? And what can you do specifically along those lines um, to help us in that process if you have ideas for that? Well, look, I don't believe that these priorities are mutually exclusive. I think we can get it right with respect to environment. I think we can also get it right with respect to fishing. That's my job. I mean, the last point that I made with respect to bone is um, you're right. The bone process is a little different. And sometimes that can be good and sometimes that can be bad because we've had a long history of stuff that doesn't get resolved because it just becomes the longest running battle since the Trojan War. I mean, if you have ways that you'd like me to pursue to ensure that BOEM accounts for your concerns in the process, get them to me. I mean, if you'd like BOEM to consider A, B, and C, I'd like to see that and then talk with you about how it kind of factors you know, in. I mean, we all know that if you just go out and do a big old EIS or two EISs or whatever it is, that that's a cookie cutter kind of approach. And you can just go on and on. And again, you don't really solve any of the challenges. We need you to be successful. We need clearly to attack climate change. I mean, my proposal, the Clean Energy for America bill, I threw the tax code in the garbage can. Literally, 45 provisions in the tax code for energy. I said, this is just a mistake. And I threw them out. And I had lots of progressive people. Well, I benefit from this. I said, what we're doing isn't working. Everything's burning up. And eventually they came around to see it. So uh, I want everybody who's paying attention to this is we've got to make sure that there's engagement, that there's solid environmental analysis, that we go into this thing. It's not an either or situation. It's not the environment or it's fishing families that we only do once. And I think we can thread that needle. But you asked me, you know, what all might we do involve, involving bone because it is a unique kind of kind of process, I'm just going to make sure that BOEM doesn't lock down decisions without our getting our questions answered and much more in the way of specifics on how we strike this balance. Because I'm not going to just say, well, I'm, we're going to sentence, you know, fishing families to, you know, extinction and we're going to pack it in on the environment. We can, we can do both here. We just mm -hmm. have to stay with it. Yeah, I appreciate that. And and the Port of Newport recently passed a resolution that included seven steps that could uh, be something that Bohm would consider. That what you is that what you want what they're proposing? Yes, and I've sent that to Fritz and to Bobby. Both have it. Um, I think I sent that yesterday to them. Um, and maybe that's something you could take a look at yeah, and consider, and we could move forward there. But we appreciate your your support. 
we'll we'll look at it and what we'll do and it's not very flashy and sensationalistic you know it's like people say well i didn't hear about it when somebody said i didn't hear about it on cnn well these kinds of things when you're trying to come up with sensible oregon way solutions stressing the importance of environmental values and economic values it's not very sensationalistic or i mean maybe it is if somebody wants to punch the other person in the nose because they don't agree with them that's not the way we do it you know that there have been three or four questions about this already that had been a bad point in the house it's my job to try to find the common ground and work with bohm in this unique kind of arrangement they have they are not today by statute like a lot of the agencies that we've dealt with and sometimes people say well you should use them that way i said well i'm not so sure maybe that'll be part of this but i'm not that convinced of it what i'm convinced of it is we got to get this done great well thanks for joining us today heather uh next up we have mayor dean sawyer of the city of newport good morning senator wyden and thank you for this opportunity to speak with you I am hello dean sawyer. your honor uh, well, I don't know if I'm an, an honor, but uh, thank you, you for coming. To, thank you for coming to Lincoln County, and hopefully next time you'll come 20 minutes south and visit us here in Newport. Good. Um, as you're aware, our water supply here is in danger. Our Big Creek Reservoir was built in 1959, and they are both failing due to internal seepage. We have a plan for a new reservoir with a price tag of $80 million. A town of 10,000 like ours cannot afford this high price. Congressman Kurt Schrader has added funding in the amount of $60 million in the Water Resources Development Act of 2022, the Word of Bill. We believe this authorization is much needed to advance this critical project and to avoid the loss of life, economic development, and severe damage to Highway 101 if the reservoir should fail. We urge you to support this authorization in Word of 2022 and future appropriations efforts in the Senate. Um, I I'd like you to know that uh, Senator Merkley and uh, Congressman Schrader have visited our reservoir and seen our project. I would also like to invite you down. If you want to come down this afternoon, I'll take some time to, to run you out there. Um, I, I know you have a real short schedule, but anyway, you are, you are welcome to come at any time to, to uh, view our project. We'll, we'll, we'll find a way to do it. I'm sure I think today is a little stacked, but we'll, we'll find a way to do it. Look, and i been through the area and you know big creek dam is hugely important to the community and and you know and water water supply and uh, uh we've been trying to focus on on this in terms of federal funding i've supported uh requests for it weighed in with uh with federal and state people because i think this ought to be a priority and uh you know, all it could take is a relatively minor earthquake to destroy, you know, two dams, leave you all without water, jeopardize lives. And, you know, that's what's at stake here. So uh, we're going to have a couple of chances, you know, water resources and our delegation can work with this. Jeff and I also have some opportunities with congressionally designated spending, but we're going to stay with this until we get this over the goal line. This is a big deal. We've, we've got to get this done. And uh, you and uh, other community members have made the case. Yeah, as you know, water is important to our community and regionally as well. 
Um, we provide water to our local, our huge fishing fleet here to, to process fish. And if we didn't have that water, it would hurt it would, the economics of the fishermen here and they would have to leave town and we wouldn't want to see that. But thank you very much for your support. No, this is, this is economics. This is quality of life. And, you know, particularly you, you get a minor earthquake on your hands and it's bedlam as a result of this. And if, if we lost our water supply here in town, people would leave town and I would lose my job. We don't want them to leave, and we want you in your place doing good work. Thank you, Senator, so much. Thank you. Thanks for joining us, Mr. Mayor. Uh, next up, we have CM uh, from Newport. Hi, Senator Wyden. CM Hall here. Uh, my pronouns are she, her, hers, or they, them, theirs, and I'm a Newport City Councilor. I serve with Mayor Sawyer. Uh, for the better part of two and a half decades, Honestly, since the 1900s, I've been lobbying you for the passage of what was formerly known as the Employment Non-Discrimination Act, now called the Equality Act. As you know, this, you have been a longtime champion for LGBTQ Americans, and we are very lucky to live in Oregon, where we don't have to worry about, about discrimination based on our sexual orientation or gender identity. However, uh, we have not passed the Equality Act, and I'm a little bit concerned about our time and our window in being able to do so. Uh, the House has passed the Equality Act. They passed it last year. It has not gotten anywhere in the Senate, as you likely know with the numbers. But I also um, am looking at political calculations, at electoral outcomes and projections, and I'm very concerned that if we don't get this passed, that it would mean that we are not going to see this pass for maybe another decade. And what this means is, and most people don't know, that it is legal to still discriminate against someone based on their sexual orientation or gender identity, because very few states actually have it enshrined and codified in law. I'm going to try really quickly to just show a quick map not, of the not U.S. Many, not many. The green states are the great states, but most people don't know that they live in a state that they can legally be discriminated against. So we need some political bravery and courage. And you have long been brave from your days back, you know, voting against the Defense of Marriage Act, the so-called DOMA. Um, I need bravery. I need bravery for my sisters and my brothers. And I'm asking you to help move this, even if it means not a filibuster-proof uh, majority. I think we need to see folks where they stand in terms of whether or not they believe that discrimination should be legal. So I'm asking for your bravery in the next five months to see if we can move this in the Senate and get it to a vote. Thank you. Well, you know, to me, you know, nobody should be fearful of discrimination because of who they are. And I've said that repeatedly on the floor. You know, you shouldn't face discrimination because of who you love. I was the first member of the Senate, actually 12 years before most others got on to be for marriage equality. And I said, if you don't like gay marriage, don't get one. And I will tell you, your point is very well taken because if you read the Alito draft opinion with respect to Roe versus Wade, it is so sweeping that anything close to that 
in a final version could really roll back the privacy gains we've made, A, and B, make it hard to get the Equality Act, which I co-sponsor, Senator Merkley, the lead sponsor, very strongly support it. And I'm looking for ways to lead all the time. You may have seen that I've taken the lead in the Senate in pointing out that under the Alito opinion, women and lots of groups who don't have political power could really have their personal data weaponized against them because they would, for example, uh, sign a contract for XYZ services, but they're in a state that makes the conduct we're talking about illegal. And then they type words in, you know, a screen. And all of a sudden people who want to enforce that behavior, which discriminates against them and is allowed under state law, it's used against them to prosecute them. So you got me a hello on this. And uh, I'm trying to lead right now. Many of my colleagues have picked up. There's a letter signed by over 40 senators that we initiated a couple of days ago, asking Google to stop making this kind of information available, geolocation information. So 100% of your United States senators are with you on this. We'll do everything we can to help. I share your view. This is a really pivotal time now, not three months from now, six months from now. It's important to tell people what's at stake. I think, I think what this is all about is a major assault on privacy rights and protection from discrimination. Thank you for joining Thank us. You. Thank you for joining us, CM. Uh, next up, we have Shelby from Lincoln City. Shelby, feel free to unmute. Where's Shelby out there? Shelby, the um, the button on the bottom left of your screen should unmute you. Okay, Shelby, we're going to go to the next questioner, but um, we'll come back to you. Uh, Oops, I just got it. Oh, I just got oh we got it. you. Go ahead. Shelby has been rescued. <laughs> Yeah, so thank you for coming, Senator, to Lincoln City. Sure. Uh, my question is, um, we are a bunch of small towns on the coast, and we get very little political attention from anybody other than you and Senator Merkley, uh, but we really don't get any attention from anybody else. Um, none of our state senators, none of our, none of our commissioners, we just, we just don't know who you are. Um, other than if we come to one of these things or if we follow the news and obviously if people are following MSNBC or CNN, we know more about you than if they're following Fox News, which is all bad news about you. But um, is there any chance that you all could maybe get together, even you and Senator Markley together? I used to go to some of your town halls and they were very well attended when I lived in Portland. But here, nobody comes here and does a big open 
thing, like in a high school where people can ask questions, people can get involved, people can get, a lot of people's minds were changed when they went to some of those, those big meetings where they saw the enthusiasm, where they saw a lot of feedback. And if you could get together with some of our candidates who are state and local, um, especially because for instance, um, Peter DeFazio has retired and we have um, in this area, a new congressman coming. I don't even know who they are. I don't even know who the candidates are. Um, they don't communicate with us. Um, and, and that's, I don't know who to vote for other than reading what their bio is and when I get the election pamphlet. That's not okay. Um, it's not, it's, what we get is a whole lot of negative news if you're still on Facebook and the feeds come through, which I'm not, but if you are, the negative feeds come through from the Republican side. But that's the other part of my question is, what are you all doing to counter on a positive way and not just saying what you've done for us, but how are you fighting back the Repop Republican propaganda? Yeah. We're not getting that. We're not hearing it on the coast. We're not getting personal attention. We're not getting enough written communication. We're not getting enough communication, period, to yeah. know even who, who all our representatives are. A really important point, Shelby, and one that is right at the core of public service for me. When I became Oregon's first news center, in more than 30 years, I embarked on something that had never been done in the history of Oregon government by nobody, not a Democrat or a Republican. I committed to having those open to everybody town hall meetings in every county every year. And for example, during the first year of the Trump administration, 2017, before the COVID uh, pandemic, I had 81 town hall meetings, 81, open to everybody. And many of them, just as you said, Shelby, had thousands and thousands of people at them. They did. <laughs> many of them. Now, yeah. the pandemic arrived and suddenly everyone was told to go home and mask and the like. And many elected officials just sort of vanished. What I've done is tried to figure out a way to get the maximum contact, contact I could given the public health situation. Like we were almost ready two months ago to begin the big open to all meetings. And then we had Omicron, obviously very contagious. Fortunately, it doesn't seem to have so many hospitalizations and deaths. And so what I've done and why I'm sitting in your county today at the News Guard is trying my best 
to give people as much access and as much opportunity to talk about what they're interested in. And, you know, the reason I come, one of them said, hey, I'm really glad you come. I thought all you guys might sit around back there in D.C. in your gym shorts. And, you know, you call us once in a while. And then you're counting. After this, I'm going to go walk around, talk to people in stores, try to get input. My hope, Shelby, is we'll be able to start having hybrid meetings pretty soon where we can have an actual in-person office and take some calls from that community on the line. But I want you to know that every single day I'm looking for ways to throw open the doors of government, the traditional way, the digital way, getting out to communities. Because to me, when Oregon is more than 3,000 miles away from Washington, DC, this is about the most important thing I can do is to shorten that distance. So if you have ideas and suggestions for ways we can promote that, I can't wait, for example, to having big meetings back in rural counties where people can just stand up and say their piece and you give your response. And uh, until then, I'm gonna do my best to get into every county and listen to the most expansive way we can. Is there a way that you can do joint meetings like with maybe the candidates or at least some of the candidates or the leading candidate, whoever that might be? And I have no idea who that might be for this area since we're, we're, we've just gone out of Kurt Shader's territory and we're now gonna be in a new, we're the new um, expanded region here. Um, we don't well, know- a couple, 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 couple things, Shelby. These are official, state meetings. So these are not candidate fairs. And this is not something I'm ever going to allow to be, well, this is the Democratic caucus meeting or the so-and-so meeting. Um, Senator Merkley and I have done joint meetings, and I very much enjoy them, enjoy working with Senator Merkley. And we can look at some ways, again, trying to do as much as we can consistent with the public uh, health rules um, to do that. But these are not, you know, candidate um, fairs. And uh, Lincoln City is going to have a new congressperson next January. And I, I, encourage, I encourage everybody to get out and listen to everybody who wants that position. And Shelby, just to, to weigh in here, uh, for folks uh, watching, you know, we have a few dozen uh, folks in the county watching live on Facebook. Uh, if you want others in your community to know about these Open to Everyone town hall meetings, uh, hit that share button, hit that like button, uh, and let other people know that these are happening. Uh, once this meeting that we're doing live is over, uh, the recording of the meeting is going to be available uh, forever. So uh, for folks who weren't able to catch it live in your community, um, share it with them so they can they can watch. There's so many issues addressed here uh, that it can better inform people than than uh, you might feel uh, cable news does. So hopefully that can uh, help spread the word as well. Um, so thanks for uh, joining us, Shelby. Um, we have a few minutes left and two more questioners uh, we want to get to. Uh, next, we have Mike uh, from Newport. Yeah, good afternoon. Uh, thank you, Senator Wyden. Um, I just wanted to uh, kind of go back to the topic of uh, offshore wind off the Oregon coast. Um, 
I believe as a commercial fisherman uh, and as a Oregonian that this is probably one of the biggest things that we could possibly ever face in our lifetime. Um, I know we're looking at ways to uh, combat the client, uh, the climate change crisis. I do not believe that offshore wind is the answer for Oregon. Um, I don't believe that as an Oregonian, as an agricultural state, um, that I do not believe that offshore wind and our commercial fishing industry can coexist. Uh, I'm not calling in today to talk so much about the commercial fishing industry as a whole as in regards to the economic impacts and the agricultural impacts that we face with offshore wind. But one thing that I really, really want to encourage our legislator uh, legislators to look at is the environmental impacts. I am a, um, I have done, um, uh, I've, I've been participant in collaborative research for many years with the National Marine Fisheries Service and NOAA Fisheries. Um, I've done that for 20 years. And um, every single pound of fish that, and crab and whatever that I harvest, shellfish that we harvest on the Oregon coast is sustainably harvested and responsibly harvested. Harvested. Anyways, the point that I'm really trying to make here is the fact that we can look at the economic impacts that the offshore wind's gonna have to industry, but I don't think that's the main focus. I think what we have to look at um, in, in a bipartisan light is the fact that the environment could potentially change due to the impact of these 800 foot wind, wind machines, turbines, these farms that potentially get planted in our in our waters we have the most pristine waters in the world we're sustainable we're responsible and we have a unique ecosystem out there and if we start allowing something to change the tides and currents we could lose those that ecosystem and our fisheries will decline not because of land lost, but because of ecosystems changing. And I've heard this from the mouths of scientists that I've worked with um, saying, hey, look, these are red flags. We need to point out these factors that could change the entire ecosystem that we have here on the, on the West Coast. If you change the California current, then this coastline looks different. Our fish stocks look different. There's something that's called hypoxic events that we see throughout the throughout the years. They come and go uh, with the tides and the currents, you know. And if you stagnant water for so long and all the oxygen leaves the water because the currents aren't allowed to operate like God created them to, then our fish stocks are gone, our crab stocks are gone, our shellfish life is gone. And so these are the things that I think that we as Oregonians need to be responsible and look at and not the fact that we're just going to um, expect or 
hope that Boehm takes a hard look at this because they're on a fast track for a different agenda, I believe. So thank you for your time, Senator. And uh, all I can ask is that uh, you really look at this closely from that perspective and that we, we really look closely to the environmental impacts that this is gonna make for us because that's gonna change our world forever. Thank you. Mike, good points. And uh, I very much appreciate how you've laid it out. And, you know, your last point really kind of highlights it. You said, if everybody goes along with uh, bone. Mike, I, I don't feel I get an election certificate to make Bohm happy. I get an election certificate to represent more than 4 million Oregonians on issues that require sometimes you kind of think through how to go about doing this. I think there are two important interests here and I'm not gonna pretend otherwise. I wanna make sure that you and others you know, fish for a living and do it responsibly can continue to do it. I also have to care deeply about the climate because, you know, we see what is going on. We saw what happened last summer when it was 100 degrees and does enormous damage to other interests we have, whether it's wine growers or variety of things. So particularly your last point, really brings it home. I'm not representing Bone here. I'm representing you and 4 million people that expect people like me not to buy into a bunch of, you know, high-powered lobbying and sort of rhetoric that sounds good and doesn't necessarily do the job. I tend to be different. I don't do a lot of shouting and screaming. I do my homework. I look at ways to deal with tough issues, so you strike a balanced approach. So let your friends know when you said, you know, everybody's going to go along with Bohm. That's not how I'm going into this. My job is to represent this community, represent Oregon. And uh, I'm not waiting around to see what Bohm tells us to do. We're going to shape this and stay at it until we get it right. And sometimes that's not the perfect solution. You know, in natural resources issues, sometimes, Mike, nobody gets everything they want. Nobody gets everything they think they should have. And I've been able to get people what they need. And that's kind of how I'm going to approach this. So thanks for bringing the, the fish and wind issue back around to what it really is all, all about. And don't anybody think that I'm supposed to go out there and represent bone. Okay, well, thanks for joining us. All right, today. thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today, Mike. Uh, and our last questioner today is Nyla from Newport. Uh, Senator, thank you for having this meeting. Um, I have some questions for you, um, basically looking for progress reports, anything that you know about um, Senator Murphy's uh, gun control group that's just started meeting, uh, progress on the ERA, Supreme Court reform, yeah. Um, I want to thank you for your and Senator Merkley's service to us. You do us proud. And in today's political climate, that's critical. And I want to know how you stay positive. 
Well, first of all, the, the question about, you know, kind of staying, uh, you know, positive is that, you know, we do win battles. I mean, sometimes they aren't always all over, you know, the news and, and the like, but right in the eye of the pandemic, for example, I was chairman, am chairman of the Senate Finance Committee, and I was able to get several billion dollars for our small businesses that told me that they looked like they were going to be gone forever. And folks who are desperate to try to get unemployment insurance to pay for groceries and pay rent. And, you know, the unemployment law was written in the 1930s. It never had covered gig workers ever. You know, people who drive a few hours a day, delivering food, different things. And I got them covered. And I came back after that battle and everybody said, this is going to be a major difference in safety net, you know, programs for the future. And whether it's that um, legislation I got to fund an agreement between mental health providers and law enforcement folks to deal with situations on the street so that if there was a mental health challenge, the mental health folks would be involved with law enforcement, the law enforcement people would uh, be involved. So, you know, that's what you do public service for is to fight hard for these kinds of changes and make a difference in communities, help people pay rent, buy groceries, keep small businesses open, and bring together people who've disagreed a lot, mental health folks and law enforcement, on how to deal with these tragedies we've seen on the streets. Now, with respect to guns, um, I'm leading the fight to close the loopholes so we can keep guns out of the hands of those who've committed domestic violence crimes. And I propose closing the loophole that lets these abusers possess and purchase firearms when there's been a temporary restraining order. We had a horrible tragedy in Oregon, you know, where a mom was killed by the person who'd been convicted of abuse. She was killed in front of her kids. So you asked for a progress report. I'll give you one in 10 days because I'm getting all out all over the state of Oregon over this 10 days to tell people when we get back, we've got to make this different. That's what everybody says, Ron. Why is this going to be different? You have one atrocity after another. We can make this different. You know, I saw all those people going to Houston to hear Donald Trump and his MAGA argument in favor of really against common sense gun laws. And I said, that's not what I'm hearing at my town hall meetings. Political change doesn't start very often in Washington, D.C. and trickle down. It's almost always grassroots up. And I'll, I'll tell you, Lincoln County, you've done a really good job of making the case for grassroots action today. Started off right out of the gate with the first question with respect to BOM and offshore wind and 
environment and fish. And you all heard me say that it's, it's my job to go in and find solutions that can address these issues in a balanced way. So we've been at it for well over an hour. It hadn't been a bad question in the house. Not one. Been a really good town hall meeting. Vintage Lincoln County coming through for grassroots involvement, the Oregon way, coming up with solutions and saying you're gonna hold government accountable. You wanna know what I'm doing to hold government accountable. And I hope you've got a better sense of that now that we're wrapping up. But let's put tonight's, this afternoon's program in the to be continued department. And I told the mayor I'd have to come by and see Big Creek before too long and Mayor Newport and we're gonna follow up. And uh, Fritz will be available to deal with uh, the issues with respect to environment and uh, uh, fishing. And uh, I'll ultimately make that call, but I've had to balance uh, having choices that can look like they're impossible. I think it was Mike who was making that point at the end. Well, he wasn't sure you could have wind and fishing coexist. And he said, don't go along with everything Bohm's talking about. And that's why I made the point. I don't get an election certificate from Bohm. I get an election cert certificate to represent all of you. And Lincoln County did a great job. So this is in to be continued. Nathan, thanks again. Thanks, everyone. We will see you uh, in a few hours in Tillamook County. Until then, uh, take care, everybody.